Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Welcome to episode 32 of the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. Please join us on our new Facebook group simply called Coalition Coordinators. This group is designed as a resource for substance use prevention coordinators. I hope you join us and other substance use prevention coordinators around the globe for ideas, discussion, and support. Well, we are changing things up today, and I'm here in the studio with my husband, Lauren Decker, and he's going to interview me today about some fascinating research I learned over the summer about generational differences and how to best communicate with them. So welcome, Lauren. This ought to be fun. So you have a message that you want parents to hear. You work with your coalition to create a great panel and event, and five parents show up. Does this sound familiar? Well, this has happened to me. Is it just that parents don't care about their kids anymore? Or maybe we haven't changed with the times to reach these parents. Or try this. Maybe your coalition is putting together a campaign to talk to youth about marijuana. You have all the facts down, but the youth don't believe you. Are youth immune to facts these days? I was inspired to put out this podcast after listening to an episode of the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast and the research done by his guest, Jason Dorsey, who is a best-selling author and expert on generational dynamics, and he's the president of the Center for Generational Kinetics. The center defines a generation as a group of people born around the same time and raised around the same place. People in this birth cohort exhibit similar characteristics, preferences, and values over their lifetimes. The Center for Generational Kinetics believes that generations are not a box. Instead, they're powerful clues showing where to begin connecting with and influencing people of different ages. There are big differences between the generations, and it is important to know the years when each generation begins and ends. They specialize in the relationship between geography and generations. Millennials, for example, are the most consistent generation globally. However, they still see important differences between millennials raised in an urban environment versus those raised in a rural one or those who move to a new country. And so now let's just talk a little bit about some of this research and kind of an overview of the generations. Well, man, I listened to Craig's podcast as well, and I found it fascinating, and it gave me a lot of questions for you today. <laughs> so here's the first one. We tend to think that one size fits all when it comes to people. A good idea for older people will be a good hit with the young people as well. Not necessarily true, is it? Not at all. There is a tremendous difference between the generations from the way we communicate to our values. Uh, there's so much I could get into. Well, let's get into it then. Who are we going to talk about today? All right. So we're going to talk about four generations in particular. We're going to talk about the baby boomers, your generation, which yeah. is <laughs> roughly between the ages of 55 and 70. We're going to talk about Generation 
X, also called Gen X, and they're roughly age 40 to 60. They're about half as large as the baby boomer generation. We're going to be talking about millennials, and they tend to be the most talked about generation right now. Their average age is from about 23 years old to about 40. And we're going to talk about Gen Z, which doesn't usually get talked about. And they're kind of the group that's born in 1996 or so and younger. Let's start with baby boomers. I'm partial to them, so I've been with all my life. Let's talk about baby boomers and who they are and what they're doing. Sure. So the baby boomers value work ethic and kind of have a pay your dues attitude. They tend to be competitive and they're still the most influential generation in the United States. They have the most access to capital and they have a very high political involvement. And I kind of thought about some practical things that coalition coordinators should know. These are the folks that are funding your efforts and they're showing up to vote on issues that you care about in the prevention world. Some of the unique things about this generation that I think are important for us to keep in mind are that the mode of communication, it's so different than all the other generations. So this is the generation that does not want you to shoot them a text or an email when it comes to something that you care about. They really want that face-to-face communication or they want um, the phone call. And this is the group of folks that will come out to some kind of event or whatever that you do. Um, but it's not necessarily um, the, the parents that you're looking for. This tends to be, you know, more the grandparents um, out there that are um, getting engaged. This tends to be the grandparent generation of the group that we're looking to affect. We invented the computer. We baby boomers did. Yeah. We don't know how to use it, but we, we invented it. Um, what, what's the biggest fallacy about baby boomers? They're misunderstood how? I think they're misunderstood by younger folks to say that, um, you know, when it comes to the whole technology thing, um, I think there's a big, I guess, miscommunication amongst the generations when it comes to technology. I think young people forget that they did invent it. These people are brilliant. Um, baby boomers are not, you know, far out there and don't understand. They have a lot to offer. And I think if a young, younger generations would um, kind of adapt to their mode of communication, they would feel more valued. So, for instance, um, a lot of times I, the younger generation will think, oh, this group is going to look down on me or not really care what I have to say. But if they look at the mode of communication that the baby boomers are using, oh, they're calling me on the telephone. Rather than shoot them a text, call them back on the telephone, um, offer to go talk to them in person. And you're going to find that that baby boomer has a lot of respect for the younger generations and really does want to hear what they have to say. It's just the mode of communication is different. And so being respectful of their mode of communication is going to help a younger generation feel heard. Who are the millennials? We hear a lot of talk about them, and I just want to know who they are definitively. Sure. So the millennials tend to be my generation, um, and that's that whole generation between the ages of, I'd say, 23 to 40. But before we talk about them, can we not skip over our Gen Xers? I think that they don't usually get a lot of attention, and um, they're still a very important generation that is very different than the millennials and the boomers. As displayed right here, we almost missed them. 
We almost missed him. So this group is roughly between the ages of 40 and 60. Um, they're sometimes called the latchkey generation. Um, this is the group of folks really that were the first people to kind of stay home alone. Uh, parents were, both parents were going off to work or they lived in a one parent household. So during their uh, childhood, they had divorce rates doubling in the mid 1960s um, and peaking in 1980. Um, they also had double-digit inflation that led to massive job layoffs. They experienced Watergate, um, and they also had the whole MTV uh, come out during their time. And I thought it was really interesting, too, while I was just kind of doing some research about the generations. This is the generation um, that was described as the major heroes when it comes to 9-11. Most of the firefighters and police responding to the attacks were predominantly Gen Xers. And the leaders on the passenger revolt on United Airlines, Flight 93, they were Gen Xers, too. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and they showed that after 9-11, there was a huge um, upsurge in Gen Xers that decided they were going to cohabitate or get married in increasing numbers, kind of reporting that they didn't want to be alone anymore. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and this generation is the generation that is parenting some of the young people that we are looking to reach. Um, some of the things that we've kind of heard about this generation, uh, people call them like the helicopter parents or um, the parents that still have that child that's maybe in their 30s living at home. Um, this generation has really lived through their young people in the whole uh, opiate crisis. They've kind of lived through trauma. Uh, back in the boomer age, it was safe to let kids play outside. In this generation, it became the first group kind of where like, you can't let your kid play outside. Everybody's got to, you know, keep your kids inside or have your kid watch. And um, some of the values I thought were interesting about this generation is they display kind of a casual disdain for authority and structured work hours. So they really um, like to be, have, be flexible. They don't want to be micromanaged. They kind of have um, a hands-off management type of philosophy. And members of this community kind of seek to balance out work, family, friends. They don't really trust the government, folks in authority, that kind of thing. Um, and they're also the glue right now in the workforce. So they're kind of in that space where they're deciding, do I want to stay in my career and kind of finish out in this career or do I want to move on? And I found it interesting, too, they're taking care of both generations. So they're taking care of their parents. You know, maybe they're helping their parents, like, with some health issues. And they're still taking care of uh, their kids, their kids are kind of like young adults, or maybe some of them are in the teenage phase. So they're kind of handling the stress of both of those, um, both of those groups. Both ends of the spectrum. Exactly, and I did think too. There's some interesting things about their methods of communication too. All right, let's find the millennials. Millennials now. Uh, if you want to connect with a millennial, how do you do it? So the millennials are probably one of the most talked about uh, groups right out there right now. And, uh, but we've been talking about this group for about 15 years. So a lot of times what will happen is people will think, oh, the millennials, and they're picturing like this 25 year old sitting at their computer. And that's really not true. Like most millennials are actually over the age of 30 now. Um, and again, like I said, they delay some of the milestones in adulthood. Like they delay maybe entering the workforce or getting married or buying a home. In fact, the average age for a female to have children was around 26. Whereas back in the baby boomer age, the average age for a female to have a child would be around 21. And these are the, some of the parents that we're trying to reach right now. Um, 
when I think of kind of what happened in the prevention world around millennials, like we were part of, and that's my generation, we were part of that whole um, end of the just say no kind of movement. And we were also um, the beginning stages of the whole above the influence kind of thing that came out. Um, We were some of the folks that were right in the middle of the whole rise of what is called the opiate addiction epidemic although I kind of debate that term because I think um, the United States has had um, overall an addiction epidemic for years. It's just now that it's opiates, it's become a little bit more, you know, looked at um, in some lenses. And um, the whole rise of prescription painkillers. So it tripled in the U.S. between 1991 and 2011 from 76 million to 219 million a year. And as of 2016, it was more than 200. 89 million prescriptions written and um i think that there's some really interesting ways when it comes to communicating with this generation so this generation um we tend to in the prevention world we'll have like these great events and we want folks to come out to them we want these parents to come out to them but it's really not the best method to communicate with this group of people and it's not saying again that it's not important to have them come to an event it's just not the best method of communication. You mentioned just say no. I guess the old adage is any port in a storm, but re- relate to us just now the uh, effectiveness or ineffectiveness of just say no on Gen Xers. So um, when it comes to the millennials, uh, just say no didn't really work very well. Um, folks kind of grew up thinking, well, that's not going to happen to me. And they've actually proved that that whole kind of just say no messaging um, actually had an effect more on people, more people like the D.A.R.E. program wanting to use drugs than actually moving away from that. And um, it's, it's interesting to me to see kind of like prevention shift through the years. So some of the same groups that have been doing prevention, like that we want to wave our fingers at, are actually doing great work out there today. I actually talked to one of these groups last week, and um, they were at the beginning of the whole Just Say No movement, but they you know, looked at the data, the research, and they changed to do better prevention methods uh, nowadays for young people. And uh, one of the interesting things I kind of find found out about that is like um, the way that we take in information. So again, like I said, doing the whole come to our event doesn't work, but um, good prevention out there has been able to put kind of like bite-sized information pieces, videos Um, out on places like social media because this generation really does um, they're all on Facebook um, and Instagram and by putting some of these little short videos out there they're finding out that the same messaging the same information that you had on that forum is being communicated but now in a way where these millennials are actually listening to it and engaging in that information and isn't that what we want we don't necessarily care um, you know, how the information is getting to them necessarily, you know, we want to make sure it's effective. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whatever you use as long as it's effective. Time for Gen Z. Sounds like a brand of tea. Who are they and where are they, where are they coming from? So Gen Zers, this is um, a whole group that's really just been in studies and um, there's a whole bunch of different things that I learned about this generation because this is the generation when it comes to primary prevention that we're really trying to reach. So this group is ages 22 and under. Um, these young people came to a- of age during the Great Recession. So they're old enough to 
kind of process um, the recession and have it shape how they see the world. They tend to be very practical, especially with their money. Uh, something of note, these young people, you know, when they were surveyed, were asked, um, different groups of young people in the Gen Z, how many of them had an emergency account? So many of them have emergency accounts. Doesn't mean they have a lot in them, no, but, um, you know, what young person has an emergency account? Young people who lived through the Great Recession. Um, and the end of this kind of millennial generation, the start of Gen Z in the United States, is closely tied to September 11th. That day kind of marks the number one generation defining moment for millennials. But members of Gen Z, they cannot process the significance of 9-11 because they don't remember it. It's always been kind of a part of history for them. They also have never known life without the iPhone. Wow. They never knew life without social media. And I thought of interest. 42% of Gen Zers feel like social media has a direct impact on how they feel about themselves compared to like your generation of boomers at 20% and probably for you even less because you don't really care too much about social media. Well, they say that the um, first impressions people get are more important now than ever before. Is that true of Gen Zers and why? Definitely. Um, I think first impressions are really important. I think Gen Z is kind of misunderstood a little bit. Um, because we don't, we haven't really done a lot of research or thought in depth a lot about this generation, and I guess that's why I found some of the information I learned over the summer about this particular generation so important. Like some of the things that I learned is that uh, Gen Z would rather join a cause they believe in than wear a brand, um, and social causes are huge. If you look at just the social justice things this generation has done, it's incredible what they've been able to do. Um, and I also thought something really interesting to me is that this generation really cares about the cost of things. These are the young people you're going to find shopping in a thrift store because they found a better deal for whatever. They don't mind doing that. Where my generation kind of wanted the brand new thing, this generation cares a lot about uh, saving money. And again, because they did grow up in that recession period. Um, so I thought about when we talk about prevention it's a better way to show the costs associated with addiction rather than just telling them these products are harmful. You know, tie it back to their wallet. Like, this is how much your vaping habit is going to cost you, and here's what you could get for that. Um, whereas in the past, kind of in my generation, we kind of focused on the more not cool thing. Like, it's not cool to do these things, and most people don't like smoking. This group really wants to know what's it going to cost. And I also thought um, this group really wants transparency like tell them if you don't know the answer do not give them some phony answer because they do have those smartphones and they will whip them out and they will google whatever it is that you told them they can figure out the facts um and i thought really uh a neat story about that this summer i went to a conference it was called youth to youth and there's a popular speaker his name's ty sells he did an incredible presentation on marijuana for teens where he helped them discover their own answers when it comes to marijuana, uh, one of the things he did was he asked the youth all the things we hear about uh, marijuana. So tell me one of the things that you have heard about marijuana. Uh, it's all natural, so it can't harm me. Exactly. That's like one of the most common. It's natural, so it's safe to me for me to use. Um, so I asked him, Ty Sells asked the kids, like, what do you mean by natural? So tell me what you mean by natural. What would you say? 
It grew up as a plant out of the earth. Exactly. So that means it's safe, right? Well, um, poison ivy also grew up out of the earth. Does that make it safe? It's kind of Brussels sprouts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and uh, rattlesnakes are natural. Uh, you know, you think of a whole bunch of different things that are natural, but it doesn't mean we're going to go consume them, right? And he helps the young people understand, oh, yeah, that's right. Natural doesn't necessarily mean safe. And then he asks the kids, like, okay, now let's talk about natural. What do you mean by natural? Well, unadorned, uh, no fake stuff on top of it. Uh, basic, human, down to earth. There you go. So we talked about it. Um, he asked the kids, okay, so tell me where marijuana grows today. In the field behind my house. Is that where it grows? Well, there, there's a farm going in in our own community. We know that. but Yeah, but is it a field behind a house? No. No, what is it? It's uh, You tell me. You're, I'm interviewing you. It's a you. whole... Indoor grow hydroponic uh, yeah, setup warehouse. Now. I mean, it's it's actually one of the biggest warehouses out there. Um, it's one of the biggest warehouses in the United States growing, going to be in our community. And again, that doesn't sound very natural. Um, they use pesticides on this product, and we were talking about the seeds. Um, you know, those seeds are modified incredibly to get the most high out of the seed. So back in your day. Is maybe what three, four percent THC in you know a joint. Nowadays, it could be you know twelve to thirty percent in a joint. And so we asked the kids, "Is that natural? Like this genetically modified product? Is that what you mean by natural?" So the kids kind of do their own discovering from themselves. It's not a truth that's kind of shoved down their throat. And he's like, "Hey, I'm not here to tell you what to believe or not. I'm just asking you these questions." And to think critically um, about the truth for yourself. And I thought that was really interesting. Another thing that the kids really care about um, this generation is diversity. Uh, they really want to see diversity of all kinds if they are going to participate. They want to know that you um, just celebrate and acknowledge the differences in our generations. And it's not necessarily about asking people to agree with the differences. It's asking people to respect the differences. And I thought also this really got to me too. So they love to use videos, um, kind of the how-to videos if they want to learn something. And I, I know that's true. I have a, a couple of young people who live in our home that fit in this Gen Z thing. They will whip out their phone and Google on YouTube like how to do whatever. YouTube is king. Exactly. Um, and But this is something that really got to me is they are unlike millennials in the fact that they do want some of this face-to-face -face communication. So all this tech-savvy stuff has left them kind of wanting that human interaction. Um, and they're kind of worried that they won't be uh, respected, that they'll kind of be looked down on. So that 22-year-old that may be coming into your office to get a job or whatnot, they're kind of wondering, like, are you going to respect them? Are you going to value their smarts and what they can contribute and bring to the table? And are you going to treat them like equals? And I think that's so unique in the coalition world when we bring young people into these spaces, you know, making sure that we're not treating them like a token, but we're really treating them like an equal and saying that you have something to bring to the table and we want to hear what it is that you, you want to say. Isn't it interesting that these devices that were invented for communication have resulted in isolation? Absolutely. I, I think and it's interesting to see how the pendulum has swung a little bit. 
Um, you know, where we're saying to the millennial parents, like the millennial parents really value time. Like, give me some of my time back. Um, they don't want to have time taken away from them. So by using the devices in a positive way to say, hey, here's some training content that we have that you can watch whenever you want to. You know, you can watch it. Um, and again, like this generation and the generation after, again, value not having that like nine to five job. They value, you know, being able to be flexible. They want things on their own time. So like these devices could be used for good for those generations to give information that like we're trying to communicate with them. Um, and maybe we're doing it in the wrong way because, again, the traditional method is come out to our event. So are there advantages to each group? I'm wondering if the coalition listening right now is putting together their their personnel, should they try to mix up some millennials with some Gen Xers and some baby boomers and get the whole gamut going? Or is, is it hard to put these together and make it work? So coalition should really reflect what your community looks like. And I think um, it's on us as coalition coordinators to do the job with our coalition to find out what does our community look like. And this is um, something simple that coalitions can do. They can go look at the census data for their community and really, you know, do up maybe like a pie chart and map it out like who is in our community. And looking at your coalition itself and saying, does our coalition look like this? Do we have a cross section of the different um, age groups in our group? And really putting out the different ideas that you have, run them by this group of folks. And again, a millennial might say, hey, I'm working nine to five. I can't come to your coalition meeting. That's 2.15 in the afternoon. Um, it might look like hosting some of our meetings in flexible times or in spaces like on a Facebook meeting um, or online places like that to be able to get some of their input. But what you say um, as a boomer about prevention or a strategy that we come up with is going to be very different about how I feel as opposed to how a Gen X feels as opposed to um, our new Gen Z. So I think it's really important to make sure each of these groups are represented and really have a an important voice in whatever your strategies are that you're coming up for your community. If a coalition leader is listening now and says, I haven't really been doing this, I haven't been gearing my message to the different groups, I've sort of been doing one size fits all. How can they get started on the right road? Again, go back and do that census data demographic and then look at look with your group, you know, whatever group you have now. Say, okay, wow, we're missing this age group and start brainstorming with them. That that's even the group of people that you do have is going to be better than you trying to do it all by yourself. And asking them, what ways can we start getting some better input from these other groups and how can we engage them? Ask ask the groups in your community, what would be the best way for me to engage you? Um, you know, again, like when it comes to that younger group, they want you to sit down with them face to face and talk to them. And they also want you to be on some of their social media channels. They want you to show raw, authentic video. They don't want some glammed up video that you put together. They just want you um, your group, your community, it doesn't have to be some high-end, high-production video, but um, they want some of that, and they want you to sit down and talk to them. When it comes to, um, you know, the millennial group, they, to get their input, you might not have it right now, we'll start a Facebook and be willing to reach out to some of these um, 
community groups and engage with them online. When it comes to maybe the boomer generation, go to your local COA, sit down and have lunch with them and um, meet them face to face. But like really use your group of people that you have right now, use the census data and really brainstorm with that group. What are some better ways we can engage with these groups and kind of run our messaging through these different groups of what we want to say? Listeners are very diverse in what they do with their, day, their days and their evenings and their family lifetime. Definitely. So what can we say to someone who's also involved with a, a club or book club or a, a church? or so? Is this kind of strategy important for all groups or just not just coalitions? Yeah, I think it's important for all different groups. But I think sometimes prevention gets put in a box like, oh, this is for them. But prevention is the entire community's responsibility. This is all of our job to make sure that young people grow up in a community and have the best opportunities possible. Like, this is our future. They're going to be the ones paying uh, for my retirement um, in Social Security. They're going to be the ones that are putting us in, you know, nursing homes or whatnot. Like, these young people, um, it's all of our responsibility to take care of them. And it's not just, oh, that's the prevention group. It was very nice to interview you today. It was nice to be interviewed. It was fun doing this together, and I hope we get uh, many more opportunities to do so. Want to go to lunch? Sure. Why don't you text me? (laughs) For more information from today's podcast, check out our show notes. There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.